Don't look now. Well, welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman. Um, as always, coming out with a new show every Tuesday. And as per usual, I'm in the dark about our topic. <laughs> we're hoping that Jenny is not. You know, if, if she is, we're just going to talk about whatever the heck we want to. But I, I bet there is a topic in store for us. So, Jenny, uh, what are we talking about this week? I, I just would like to point out that based on our pre-recorded conversation, it would be a terribly weird podcast day <laughs> yeah, we could we could have lots of good conversations i'm, I'm sure ah <laughs> uh, so today i thought let's talk about something that i find actually crazy interesting because you know everything i find crazy interesting but specifically it's something that is a legend related okay. to a famous book all right that legend may or related may not to a exist book and what was the last part? It may or may not exist. Okay, legend related to a famous book may or may not exist. God, that that's nope, I don't I don't have it, so <laughs> Hey, number one best selling book. Huh. The Bible. There you go, we're getting closer. So um Things in the Bible that may or may not exist. Something about people looking for the Ark. Something about which Ark? Um, Noah's or no, no, no the the Lost Ark of the Covenant. That is more fun. So there we go. I'm hoping we're going with that in Indiana Jones because that would be that would be good times. Uh, I mean, it is me. Of course, we're going to do the Indiana Jones. All right, good deal. Although Ark, the actual Noah's Ark thing is super fascinating too. There's just enough evidence to believe it could be possible it's putting it out there not as you know not like perfectly possible but like but there's something that noah and gilgamesh and everything else are based on so there was some major flood somewhere in mesopotamia that somebody right. did something with but yeah, yeah did they take two of each animal probably not but <laughs> hey but they probably packed up their dogs and sheep so you know exactly i mean it's fine it's close enough so we're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant, um, and it's basically found in various translations of the Bible. It's um, sometimes called the Ark of the Testimony, sometimes called the Ark of God, and it's a gold-covered wooden chest uh, with a lid that's described in the book of Exodus as having two stones from the Ten Commandments in it, uh, and it's also thought to contain a rod Aaron's rod and then also it's supposed to be a pot of manna which was um, from heaven and supposed to like levitate things and all sorts of cool shit if you believe all of the conspiracies nice so biblical hero, Nazis but you know I know the Nazis <laughs> they yeah turns them into dust it's, it's great stuff uh, the biblical account relates that about a year after the Israelites ex um, leave Egypt, the ark is created according to according to instructions that Moses got from God, because he got a lot of instructions from God, as it turns out. Um, so it was when the Israelites were encamped at the foot of Mount Sinai. So after that, 
um, they have this beautiful gold covered chest. I would like to know when they exited from Egypt, where they got the gold from, but I think that that's probably too much information that I don't need right this second. Just logistically, if you're on the run, I don't know how you're carrying all this gold, you know. <clears throat> so after that, they have this gold plated uh, chest and it's carried by slaves to just carried with them around. Mm -hmm. um, and it's approximately 80 meters or about 2,600 feet. 2,600 feet? And it's covered in gold. And that I heard. I thought this was a small box. What the fuck? This, like, the amount is massive. So it's like 2,000 cubits, which is a really obscure number in Bible words. And then when yeah. they, like, transfer it out, it's huge. Yeah. And there's just no way. Yeah, and I always thought, you know, I guess I just watch Indiana Jones and assume this this was a, you know, a crate. But so then my question is, what else is in this thing? If it's this big, like, how big yeah. were the Ten Commandment stones? Because yeah, just those sound like Noah's Ark dimensions, not right? <laughs> not yeah. Ark of the Covenant dimensions. But yeah, it's a little a little wild. Um, so they usually had this carried out by slaves in front of the army of Israelites. Uh, and when they carried it, it was hidden under a large veil made of skin and purple cloth um, to keep it concealed, even from the priests and from the, the Levites, Levite, Levathian, Levites, <laughs> the slaves um, yeah. who carry it. So God was said to have spoken with Moses and said that from between the two cherubs on the cover, when at rest, the tabernacle would be set up and the holy ark placed in it. So maybe it's just like the whole carrying device is this massive and that box yeah. itself is just... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up now. Because <laughs> this is bothering thing, me, right? thing I'm seeing says two and a half cubits. So maybe I just got some bad intel. Somebody's math was wrong. Well, the 200 sounds like... or two, That sounds like Noah's ark. I'm going to look up Noah's ark. I, I know it's also given... Like cubits. 400 cubits. Noah's I still think that sounds awfully big, cubits. but no. So you're right. The actual ark itself is smaller. Yeah. But the when you carry they, when they had carry it to all the people thing. maybe in a line. Yeah, maybe they they basically put the big poles in it and acted like it was a giant palanquin. Or that's something. what I'm thinking is that okay. they had all the people and made it that look, look okay. that big. All right, that makes sense. Because the actual box itself was pretty detailed, yeah. size wise. I actually have the dimensions. I could have solved this yep. whole problem and told you that directly. 52 by 31 by 31 inches. Yep. Okay. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up. So I'm seeing it that it was carried by the Levites and basically they were 2000 cubits in front of everybody. So it basically led everybody by 2000 cubits. So they that were out in front of the host. Like in my head, I see that better now. Thank you. This is there why I go. can't be allowed out on my own. <laughs> Just had the no. It, it, it's probably right. a damn good thing because I was sure not telling that part right because it sounds <laughs> really uh, So God told Moses to build this bad boy while he's on Mount Sinai for 40 days. Um, <laughs> he had very specific like ways to build it. 
um, and two people by the name of Bezalel and Aolib construct it. Uh, it's supposed to be, like I said, that 52 by 31 by 31, gilded in gold. Um, it has a molding of gold that's put around it. And then there's four rings that are gold that are attached on the corners. There's just gold all over this damn thing. I still maintain it's too heavy to be carrying around <laughs> into a battle. Um, yeah. And the lid is ornament, orna ornamental and it's got these two cherubs on it. And missing though from like these very specific instructions because this feels very specific for something that happened yeah. what, 3,000 years ago basically at this point. Um, they don't really know how thick anything was. So it could have been just like paper thin yeah well thick don't know okay so after it's created the ark's carried uh during the time that the israelites wandered the desert for 40 years feels like a long time to wander a desert whenever they camped the ark was placed in its own sacred tent called the tabernacle and then when the israelites were led by joshua to the promised land and they arrive at the bank of the river jordan the ark was carried in in front of them, and that was the signal for their advance. And then as they cross the river, the river grows dry at the, free, the feet of the priests that are carrying it. Um, and it remains that way until the priests leave. So they just kind of like stand there and the water. Okay. If you saw the movie Moses, water and people, and <laughs> they went through. Um, um, and, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, just a complete aside, so you should finish your, your thought here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, as a memorial, they took 12 stones uh, at the place where the priest stood. So, like, some homies walking through the parted seas picked up some rocks and popped them in the box. Nice. Yep. No, I was just... All of this just is reminding me that I finally, finally, you know, showed the kids the history of the world, part one, recently, and... Uh, I always love the part where Moses comes down from Mount Sinai with his, you know, 15 commandments and drops one of them and shatters it. And it's in my 15, 10, 10 commandments. Yeah. Good stuff. So I can't think of the guy that makes it, but he did young Frankenstein. Mel, yeah, Mel Brooks. Yep. Mel Brooks. I was going to say something else. Mel, yes. So funny. I wish they would have made the second one. Yes. I, I love the little teaser for it at the end of, end of the movie. It's great. They should, oh my God, so funny. Especially oh. great because of the whole thing about the Jewish space laser that, you know, showed up in the news in the last year. I don't know if you heard about, heard about that. I was a, a crazed conservative conspiracy theory that like all these California wildfires were clearly because of a giant Jewish yes. space laser. Yes, and I it was remember this. hilarious because people even made like a commemorative coin for like, you know, you know, making fun of it, having their little mazel tough Jewish space laser thing, but they have the the end of History of the World Part One. They have their teaser for History of the World Part Two, and they've got Jews in space, and they're you know, it's good I, stuff. That's. I just feel like this last year has led to some really weird conspiracies. Yes, this was one of the weirder ones I've ever heard in my life. I think my new favorite one is the UFOs that everybody's like, yeah, no, that happens. And I'm like, yeah, we've known that for a really long time. Yeah. I keep bringing it up. Yeah. But like when people are confirming it, it actually makes me be like, oh, so it's just bullshit then. That's kind of depressing. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it's not really aliens. It's just us messing around, touching stuff. It's a bunch of engineers poking things. Cool. There you go. We need more of that. (laughs) Engineers. Too much. So after defeat, Joshua laments in front of the Ark. um, And when he reads the laws to the people between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebel, and people are standing on the side of the Ark, the next they hear the Ark, it's in Bethel, where it's cared for by the priests. Um, Phineas, who's the grandson of Aaron. Um, and according to this verse, it was consulted to the people of Israel when they were planning to attack the Benjamites at the Battle of Geba. Uh, there was a lot of fighting in the Bible. I just want to point that out. That's pretty much what the Old Testament is, I think. So Yeah. There's just a lot of fighting in general, and it sucks. Uh, so according to the biblical narrative of the Ark, a few years later, the elders of Israel take the Ark out um, onto the battlefield to assist against the Philistines because they had been defeated at the Battle of Eben Ezer. Uh, but they were defeated again and they lost 30,000 men. Wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, this is something that history always has been really interesting for me because when I think about numbers of people during this time. Yeah. Like, if they lost 30,000 people in one battle, can you imagine how many people they took with them? Yeah. And that just makes me wonder, I wonder what the population of the world was like, because we only know about this tiny pocket of humans at this point. Yeah. Just just wild. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, at this point, the Ark is captured by the Philistines, and the priests are killed, and people are not super happy. Um, so a messenger goes running to tell people what's going on. And the first priest that he tells literally just falls dead from shock when he hears that the Ark's been taken by the Philistines. Um, and then his daughter-in-law, who was in the process of having a baby at the time of the Ark being received, names the baby Ichabod, explaining the reason why uh, is that the glory had departed Israel um, and then she died as soon as she had him. So, like, can they make this super depressing, right? Yeah. The Philistines, not being idiots, wandered with the damn ark because that's what everyone did. But whenever they went someplace, like, they failed. They had poor fortunes. Shit just did not go for them. Uh, so they then place it in the Temple of Dagon. And the next morning... Um, Dagon, what? Oh, no, they took it to a shod to the Temple of Dagon. And the next morning, Dagon was, like, sitting there before it. And then the next day, he, like, kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then the people of the area were, like, plagued with tumors and mice and, you know, all the things that you can have. Which actually makes me wonder, is that what's happening in Australia right now? Do they have the Ark in Australia? And is that why they have a plague of mice? (laughs) it's bad over there those poor people um they also got boils on people um and it was bad so the ark had been there for seven months and the philistines were like you know maybe maybe we should just give this back to the israelites because this does not seem to be going well for us um so they return it with an offering of the golden images of the tumors and mice where they had been afflicted upon the people 
And the ark was set up in the field of Joshua at the Beth Shemit, and they basically offered a bunch of sacrifices and offerings to it. Um, out of curiosity, the men of Beth Shemit decided to gaze at the ark, which, according to Indiana Jones, is not a good thing. Uh, and punishment for that was that 70 of them, uh, there's different translations of what that means, were smitten by the Lord. Smitten. Never good getting smote. Yeah, smoting is a bad thing. So yeah, they decided to call someone and be like, hey, come get your ship. We don't want this here. This seems bad. Uh, so it was taken to another person. Uh, and there, Elazar decided to keep it. And it remained in his home for 20 years until under Saul, the Ark was with the army before he met the Philistines. Uh, but the king was too impatient to consult it before engaging in battle. So there didn't go well for them because they didn't really know what to do with it. Cause it had been just kind of hanging out for too long. Hmm. You know, when you wander <laughs> with it for a hundred years, at yeah. some point you forget what you're supposed to do with it properly. The tech changed. Nice. Yeah. So then um, King David gets into power and he removes the ark and then on the way to Zion, one of the drivers of the cart that carries the ark puts his hand on it to steady it so that he doesn't drop it down a hill. They're, mm -hmm. you know, traveling along. Uh, but that pissed off God, apparently. Uh, so he gets struck dead in the moment for touching it. Seems like the right reaction to have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so King David, in fear, carries the ark inside the house of Obed-Odom, the Gedite, instead of taking it all the way to Zion, and it stays there for three months. Um, you know, whatever. On hearing that God had blessed this dwelling, because this guy didn't die, apparently, when he had it in his <laughs> house, David had the ark brought in the rest of the way to Zion by the Levites, where he himself danced before the Lord in all of his might in some linen. Um, and then in the site of a public gathering in Jerusalem, there was a performance which caused him to be rebuked by his first wife. I'm just going to say that that doesn't sound good for him. <laughs> you know, yeah. when your wife turns you down, sir, after you've been dancing mostly naked, probably it's not a good sign. Just that out there. If TikTok's taught me anything this weekend, that's what it's taught me. <laughs> then in Zion, David put the ark in the tent that he'd prepared for it, um, offered a bunch of sacrifices, distributed food, blessed people. And then later he uses the tent as his own personal place of prayer, which I feel like is a little shitty. Uh, open that up to everybody. It shouldn't be just for you, buddy. And then the Levites were appointed to minister before the Ark, which means these poor saps were the only ones that could deal with the Ark still. These poor slaves that have already carried this shit for a hundred years and are like generations of people carrying this now have to deal with this dude's toy, basically. So uh, David decides he's going to build a temple for the Ark, but a prophet stops him. Uh, and then the Ark also goes on another journey during uh, the siege of the Rabbith when David flees from Jerusalem. And then it's carried along with him until he returns to Jerusalem. Okay. Let's move on <laughs> to King Solomon. 
right. so these are like the the history and where we can track it too. So this yeah. is really important because at some point all hell breaks loose. <laughs> so we're finally getting the temple in a permanent place for it. Getting closer. Uh, so according to the narrative, there is a priest that is dismissed from the priesthood by King Solomon because he took part in the conspiracy against David and his life was spared because he had formerly been one of the dudes that babysat the ark and didn't die. <laughs> so Solomon definitely, you know, worshiped before the ark. Um, and he had this dream in which God promises wisdom if he takes care of the ark. So they construct a temple, Solomon's temple, and there's a special inner room called the Holy of Holies, which has a lovely name that I can't pronounce um, properly. So I'm going to bypass that and it's prepared to receive the ark. And when the temple's dedicated, the ark, which still contains the original tablets of the 10 commandments was placed inside. Um, and then when the priests emerge, you know, there was a cloud and there was drama and everybody said, you know, this cloud was the glory of the Lord filling the house of the Lord. So basically God blessed it. Sure. Yeah. So Solomon marries the Pharaoh's daughter um, and she dwelled in a house outside of Zion uh, as Zion was consecrated because it contained the ark. So they couldn't consummate their marriage in the house of God, basically. Makes sense. Anywho, the ark was taken out at some point, but then it was returned. Uh, King Josiah was the one that took it out, put it back. No reason why, just he did. <laughs> They went for a cruise one weekend. Felt like taking it for a spin, huh? You know, probably there was a war and he wanted his Levites to march in front. Yep. So then in 587 BC, Babylonians arrive and destroy shit, as you do yep. when you war. Um, no one knows what happened to the Ark at this point because they destroy Solomon's temple. And there's some versions that say the Babylonians took away the Ark. And then there's some where they don't. There's some where the Solomites, the people of Zion, take the Ark. Okay. Um, maybe. Don't know. Yeah. So the final spot of the Ark is totally disputed. Um, rabbis like to say it probably was carried off and hidden and never brought back. And a second century work known as the Tesefta, um, the rabbis believed that the king of Judah stored the ark with the jar of manna and a jar of anointing oil with the, everything. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, there is, from the book of Numbers, there's kind of an oblique reference that maybe he's talking about the ark where they talk about um, the Levites caring for the most holy of things, you know, because the Levites were the ones that did carry the ark. It's possible. Yeah. Maybe they like walked out with it and they were like, we got this um, because they would enter into an area and they would cover the ark or what they would cover this holy relic. Um, with fine leather and then blue cloth and then carry it with poles. Which sounds like the Ark, but it yep. could be anything. Who knows? Okay. So you've got some strong archaeological evidence that in the 8th and 7th centuries BC, the Ark was removed to Jerusalem 
um, in particular. There is a large podium associated with North Kingdom and not South Kingdom, which might have been a shrine. Maybe, maybe not. You never know. We don't really have it, so we can't say. Uh, some scholars believe the story of the Ark was independent. Um, so like anything, people like to argue about this and lots of people will talk about it, but there's no hard, fast facts. And there's lots and lots and lots of references to it, um, even in like more modern times. So you can look at some of the like newer writings because I don't know, depending on what you believe about the Bible, there was a revision at some point in history where some of the stories were glorified more than they were previously. So yeah. there's a couple of additions that are interesting. Um, but here are some of the suggested locations of where it potentially could currently be. Okay. One is Mount Nebo. Um, so this one basically says that Around 100 BC, the prophet Jeremiah had been warned by God that the Babylonians were coming. So he took the ark and the tabernacle and the altar and buried them in a cave in Mount Nebo. And then told people that if they wanted to find the place, just wait until God told them basically. And he would direct them to where it should go. I would like to state that it has not been found in Mount Nebo yet. Yeah. Ethiopia. This one's actually quite interesting. I watched a documentary about it. Um, there's a church in Ethiopia, basically, called the Ethiopian Orthodox Tawaldo Church, and they basically say they have the Ark of the Covenant. However, they don't let anyone in. So, like, <laughs> there's no way to verify it. Like, it's the hardcore lockdown, and they, they don't mess around. Um, so, basically, they're saying that in 1270, they put this here. They built this church um, and it, the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Ethiopia by Melanick I with divine assistance. So like he was told by God, this may be why we can't find it on Mount Nebo, where to find the Ark. Um, and a forgery was left in the temple in Jerusalem. <coughs> sure. And then like, there's a lot of literature at the time. That's kind of like everybody is telling secrets about where the Ark is. So it's interesting because there's lots of little places that are mentioned to be the house of the Ark mm -hmm. around the time that it supposedly came to Ethiopia, which is why it has a lot of credence that it, maybe it really is there, but maybe not. Um, once again, you cannot go there. Uh, you can't like walk in and see it. Um, at one point they said that they were going to announce the word or they were going to announce to the world the Ark. They were going to have like this big press conference and show it to everybody, but then they decided not to the next day. <laughs> yeah. Um, the show that I watched was Destination Truth and they basically go and they're trying to debunk it or mm -hmm. make it valid. And they have a guy that they go and they talk to and he's just like, yeah, it's in there, but you can't come in. They're like, well, what, can I come in without the cameras? No, 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 no. It's in there. You can't come in. And he's like really trying to get in there with them. And they just mm -hmm. give him such a hard time. And it's pretty funny. Um, but not uncommon on that show for that to be the thing to happen where priests are the keepers of some sort of legacy. And they absolutely will not let anyone else in. 
that's how you keep a legacy safe, right? It's one way to think of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, another option is maybe South Africa. So in Zimbabwe, um, people have claimed that their ancestors brought the ark to them with the voice of God, and then they hid it into the mountains where their spiritual home is. Um, sure. So a UK channel documentary, uh, they decided to go ahead and take it literally and to investigate this. And the object that this group is describing is similar to the Ark. It's similar in size and shape. It's carried on poles by priests. It's not allowed to touch the ground. It's revered as the voice of God. It's a weapon of great power. Um, This is one of those stories though. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a story. There's no, nothing to back it up. And it would correspond with a lot of, um, colonialism in the area yeah. where they could have could be telling stories uh, as missionaries were trying to convert people. I don't know. Um, but there is a tradition that maintains the Ark spent time in Sena and Yemen, and then was later taken across the sea to East Africa and spent time with great, the great Zimbabwe civilization, which whenever you want to do some fun research, that's a real interesting civilization huh. to get into. Uh, and they had oral traditions that sometime after the arrival with the Ark, it self-destructed. <laughs> so they created a new one. Nice. And that replica was discovered by a Swedish-German missionary named Harold von Sickard in the 40s and found its way to the Museum of Human Science. Um, and then they had it radiocarbon dated to 1350, which is about the end of the Great Zimbabwe Civilization. So it followed that whole yeah. line of story. Okay. Always nice when you've got like science to back up your story. Yeah. And then after that, it just straight rabbit holes down because then after that, the Templars found it and they took it to the Chartres Cathedral um, in France. Another one, they took it to the Rene Le Chateau in Southern France. Another one, they had, um, it's in the Basilica of St. John in Rome, uh, but it was lost when the Basilica burned. Then at the turn of the 20th century, the British Israelites brought it to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, so the British Israelites did excavations on the Hill of Terra because they were convinced it, that's where it was because, you know, they had insight scoops. They did not. Another place that it was thought to be at one time was uh, Tukumun's tomb, Ingtut's tomb, which, to be fair, there was enough cool stuff in that tomb. Anything was possible, but it wasn't in there. So what about in the Well of Souls in Tannis? <laughs> it wasn't there. Sorry. Yeah, bummer. Yeah, yeah real bummer. But uh, that would fit more into the Great Zimbabwe story. I'm just telling you. Yeah. So... Um, we obviously love Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's a common story. There's also common stories where the Templars take it in popular fiction. I don't know. Probably not there. Anywho, let's go down the rabbit hole and talk about other biblical archaeological finds that we actually did find, which makes this have more credence. So there is the Yahweh Seboet inscription, which is a limestone inscription from a burial cave in Judah around 
800, 750 BCE. And it's written in a Paleo-Hebrew script. Okay. So there are a lot of words. <clears throat> and basically it says, Cursed be Hagab son of Hagab by Yahweh Sebat. Basically, you're cursed by God. Yeah. Yeah. This phrase is apparently pretty common, um, but it's the first non-biblical evidence of the name Hagbod, which actually means a grasshopper. Huh. So it's actually sounding more like it's describing a plague of grasshoppers to me. There you go. No. Another tablet, the Akkadian tablet, contains 630 lines. Um, it comes from the southern Mesopotamia city of Larza during the second year of <coughs> King Rim Sin's reign, which is around 800 or no, 1821 BCE. And the tablet registers the rites of in the temples from the 15th until the 24th day of the month of Shabbatu, which is identical to the biblical month of Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a one-of-a-kind tablet that basically tells you the kind of practices in the region from where Abraham came from. So it's a day-by-day, play-by-play of the priests. Yeah, for one that's month. interesting. Yeah. So an example that I found is on the 16th day of the month of Shabbat, a cloak, a bright linen, and a male slave were given to Enki, the god of wisdom and the creator of humankind. Not very go. biblical. But okay. <laughs> then there is the quadrilingual Darius jar. That's not a mouthful. So Darius the first is mentioned in the biblical books of Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Daniel. And a museum has this Persian jar. It's calcite. And it's got four inscriptions that praise Darius in four different languages. So it's kind of like the Rosetta Stone of its yeah. era. <clears throat> and it's got Old Persian, Elamite, and Akkadian inscriptions that read Darius the Great. And then in Egyptian hieroglyphics, it says King of Upper and Lower Egypt, Lord of the Two Lands, Darius, living eternally, year 36, which was the last year of his life. Okay. That's pretty cool. And then there's something called the Lion and the Calf Bowl. So... According to Isaiah's prophecy of peace, the wolf would dwell with the lamb, the leopard would lie down with a kid, and the calf and the lion would live together. So, like, predator and prey would be one. Yep. Yep. Also straight out of Ghostbusters, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's actually a book on that, apparently, in the Bible. So... The museum's bowl um, is from the southern Mesopotamian region, ages about 3,000 years ago, and it's got lions and calves laying together, Mm -hmm. and then the animals are crouched before a bundle of reeds, um, and the reeds are similar to ones that are carved at the base of the ziggurat of Anu, which is one of the oldest, most important Sumerian gods. So what this tells us is that there's a lot of blending of religions in this time. Yeah. So yeah, that's the the story of the Ark. We don't know where it is. Don't know who has it. 
Don't know if it ever really existed. That feels really satisfactory, doesn't it, Will? <laughs> we have come to great conclusions. Yeah. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, it's always a fun, fun thing to think about. And it's right up there with, you know, the Holy Grail with things people are always looking for and assuming are around somewhere. So I think my favorite explanation for the Holy Grail is the Da Vinci Code version. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it was probably the one that makes the most logical sense out of all the shenanigans. <laughs> and it's so fascinating to me that still, I mean, we're talking about a time period where people I mean, Da Vinci painted the Bible still like it happened yesterday. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The stories were yeah. still that fluid and that like common that the very detailed story still happening. And it's really not that far away from his time, which blows my mind. I mean, Da Vinci's not that far, 1400. I mean, Da Vinci's way closer to us than that, but yeah. eh. <laughs> it's but only only far though. Thousand four hundred years before his time. True. I don't know. That kind of stuff's always really fascinating to me. That time has a weird way of like roping back around i yeah. think maybe i was thinking like the zimbabwe civilization yeah because that's so recent yeah in comparison to everything else obviously but i don't know yeah no it's it's a fun thing to sit around and speculate about it's it's why you just need to get a nice bullwhip and you know just go travel the world looking for this crap so yeah but also remember that he's definitely a like an art thief um, yeah being an art thief is a hell of a lot more fun than being an archaeologist. No offense. <laughs> you know, I would agree. It's a lot of work and really tiring to be an archaeologist. This yeah, stuff exactly. was like. Just want to be a roving art thief. I mean, you know. Yeah, he's definitely an art thief, um, culture thief. And <clears throat> my favorite parts when th this belongs in a museum, but not like the museum that they took it to. <laughs> you just leave it in the country of origin sir because this is someone else's this belongs in a museum probably the british museum <laughs> yeah, can we take it to the british museum or the one what's the one in new york um or the met the met yep yep let's take it there the smithsonian sure why not i'll tell you why not okay repatriation let's do it <laughs> yep nope i you know Go back to our other podcast, but it was fun seeing the Elgin marbles and stuff at the British Museum. So, you know, I I love it's so bad. I've gotten really hooked on documentaries this year, and they've had a ton of them on art. Um, so, if you're interested, I you yeah. should watch some. Um, but there was one about plagiarized art that was fascinating, and one about stolen art that was really the stolen art ones. Man, they are good. Mm -hmm. Cause you have no idea. And they like interviewed one of the, the guys that they think stole some art mm -hmm. and he's guilty of sin, but probably not of that. Like it's yeah. just. Uh, one that I heard about recently that I've got to go back and look up was references to basically Picasso being in on the theft of the Mona Lisa. That, that was a fascinating. Was our podcast topic this week, Will. Yeah. Yeah. 
because it's good. That's 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 a fun one that's got to be discussed. That's yeah. That the Mona Lisa wasn't even popular until after it had gotten stolen, and it's been yeah. stolen like six times. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. It's wild. It's all wild. There's also um, a piece of art right now that is contested on who painted it. I want to say it's a da Vinci because they were saying there's only 22 known pieces of da Vinci's out there mm-hmm. and it's got a billion dollar lawsuit behind it right now. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and they don't know where it is. Um, it's supposed to be in the Dubai Louvre. Okay. Cause I didn't know that they had, that they had built their own Louvre. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Very yeah. company, um, But it's not on display right now. Hmm. So this kind of fascinating. Just fascinating. Anyhow. All right. Well, cool. Fun story. <laughs> Just a bit inconclusive, but that's what we expect. So it's not like they popped out in the news yesterday and said, oh boy, we found it. And even if yep, they did, yep. we as a society would not accept that as an answer. That bad boy yep. could be sitting in front of me shooting like flames at people, and I still would be yep. like, I'm sorry, unless God himself comes down and tells me this is the ark. <laughs> and even then, I'm going to get a psyche evaluation first. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I would be satisfied if it started melting Nazis, though. I think that, that would do it for me. I... Man, that would be one hell of a way to tell who was a Nazi. Yeah, city. exactly. Just, you know, <laughs> just randomly open it up in places and, you know, you it's a whole new kind of meaning to kill them all. Let God sort them out kind of thing. Just, you know, see what happens. It seems like a very inefficient use of the arc. And medieval witch test kind of thing. Well, it's also kind of confusing because it's not like it had a good versus bad version of humans that it was built for. Right. Yeah. So like the arc wasn't designed to hunt Nazis and save the Jews. It was like, used to carry into battle and if you prayed to it properly it protected you yep so i guess like the foundation for it is you have to believe in it yeah boy that sucks for everybody else if the bad people get it yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that was kind of the plan and you know raiders of the lost ark so there you go but they have to believe in it nobody in the nazi crew believed enough in it for it to actually work for them well, that was their problem, but the people that told them to go get it clearly believed in it. So, you know, that's true. That's true. Yeah. There you go. I don't know. I could probably argue the logistics of Readers of the Lost Ark all day. So. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. Um, yeah. Good story. And uh, thank you for everyone for listening to us this week. Uh, we will catch you all in a week with another story and uh, till then rate subscribe review listen to our stuff and we'll catch you later Bye-bye. bye bye